Hello, and welcome to another episode of My Backstage Pass. This is your host, Lee Zimmerman, with my producer, co-host, and resident technical genius, I added that, uh, <laughs> Billy Hubbard. I thought I wrote that. Yeah, well, oh, you no. did, yeah. <laughs> and, and today, we're so excited to have, I, can, I think I can safely say, a real legend joining us, Noel Paul Stuckey. Yeah. One of the uh, seminal founding members of the great band, the great trio, Peter, Paul, and Mary. And uh, Noel is still making wonderful music. And uh, Noel, welcome to the show. It's great to have hey. you here. Thank you so much. It's nice to be in such pleasant Nashvillian company. <laughs> oh, you, you flatter us, sir. Um, so uh, just, I recall really fondly all the visits I made in the context of uh, the trio and then later coming down with the Bonnie Works band. Yeah, Tennessee's always been a, you know, very comfortable. I don't know. It's something about the music that runs through the hills, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. we're we're located in East Tennessee. We're not Nashville. People always no. say, you, you say Tennessee, and people assume it's Nashville. Yeah. But we we are on the eastern side of the state, near the Smoky Mountains. Where the good music's at. It's, yeah, great music <laughs> here as well. Great music here as well. So, um, first of all, let's let's clear this up. It was Peter, Paul, and Mary, but your name is Noel Stuckey. So, can we just clear that up? So, sure. well, first of all, I have to commend you on your research, and then uh, <laughs> thank next, you, sir. Next, you know, take you in a time capsule back to uh, Greenwich Village. Peter, Mary, and I had just finished. Um, oh, maybe a demo of about four or five tunes to sing for Albert Grossman, who was the manager, kind of uh, the brains behind bringing the trio together. Right, and Bob Dylan's uh, manager at the time as well, yeah. No, 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 not at the time. Oh, later on, later on. Manager, and he became the band's manager, Uh and Odetta's manager, and you name it. Um, But at the time, we finished the four or five tunes, and he and his Albert and John Court, his partner, said, you know, if you got, if nothing happens, you guys are going to happen. And we looked at each other and smiled, mm-hmm. and he said, now, about the name. And Mary said, well, we've been talking about the Willows because we're tall and lanky. And, <laughs> and Albert said, well, you know, if Noel would change his name to Paul, we could call the group Peter, Paul, and Mary. And I don't know if you guys know the old folk tune, uh, it says, um, I was born about 10,000 years ago. There's nothing in this world that I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw Peter, Paul, and Moses playing Ring Around the Roses. And oh. I don't what the guy says it isn't so. Okay. So the, All right. The Peter, Paul, the Peter, Paul, and Muh was already there. We just had to fill in the area. I, see, I think Peter, Noel, and Mary would have sounded just fine. Right? I guess you were going for the alliteration as well. Yeah. No, we could have gone the other way. It could have been Neater, Noel, and Mary. You know? Yeah, Peter, mm-hmm. Noel, and Mary. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Somehow. Yeah, but it's already. I only have, and I, I said I'm not going to take it on as a first name, but I'll take it on as a middle name with no idea that it was going to take me on and change my life so much. I don't think anybody could change the name. I mean, it's so seared in my generation's brain. I can't. 
I would never be able to go any other way. Now it doesn't sound right any other way. Yeah, well, no, I guess not. But if we had started out from the beginning, <laughs> but bad, yeah. but it was so Paul was totally made up. That was not your name. That was not your middle name yeah. or, or anything no. else. Then no, it was not. All it was right. No, Paul Stuckey though is your professional name now, and uh, Grace yeah. is the cover of your of your new album, uh, Just Causes. Which oh, yeah. it's a beautiful record, and you and I have spoken before, Noel, and you mentioned that these songs have are, are older songs that you wrote them a while ago and only now assembled them. Is that the case? Well, I I was kind of I don't know if you've noticed watching the Peter Paul and Mary career, but I was kind of a Johnny come lately to songs of social conscience. I mean, I was a young rhythm and blues wannabe in Michigan. And then I moved to New York and then I discovered folk music and then folk music had such an impact on the way that I began to perceive what music could do. And I think, you know, it affected all of us, you know, in those early days of radio when it was nothing but, uh, you know, Perry Como and Bing Crosby and, and romantic love songs. I mean, along comes a song like Blown in the Wind and you go, oh, I see. Music can talk about more than just uh, boy-girl relationships. So I, looking back at a catalog for this most recent release of mine, I realized that I wrote sporadically, but I wrote pretty regularly about some subject or some concern that had come up in my life and assembled over 50 years, uh, it made, you know, well, as you can count, 15 tracks on this new album. Yeah. It was really, it was really the Paul Newman connection though, that put me over the edge, you know, uh, with all the the proceeds going to charity. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, you know, geez, I could do that. I mean, these songs already been recorded, you know, they're already been on albums that, uh, have done well by me. And uh, so I assigned each one of the tracks to uh, its thematic partner, you know, mm-hmm. uh, everything from the indigenous people on a track called Tom Quick uh, to uh, Massachusetts uh, Power and Light. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, my, my own daughter's. Um, foundation music to life who supports young singer songwriters who want to make difference in their communities um it was a gas i mean and then i then i attached then i contacted each one of these folks and said uh you know that i wanted to include them and some of them have even posted the album on their websites uh because it's in a sense kind of an incentive to their donors a reminder to their donors that there's an emotional uh, quantity to the organization that they want to support. And this is uh, something that you started with your first solo album when you wrote your wonderful song, Wedding Song. The proceeds from that song went to uh, charitable cause as well, right? I mean, that uh, sort of started uh, it off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I started it all in a in a more cascading way than you probably realize. Cause I, I was, 
I got to, you know, when you put a song on a record, you have to tell the record company who the author is and what, who the publisher company, the publishing company is. Well, the wedding song was an answer to a prayer. And I don't mean kind of a muse kind of thing, you know, oh, fill me with inspiration that I might write a song to glorify you. You know, I'm sure that those prayers are, you know, equally well meant, but this Mm -hmm. was a specific, this was a specific prayer in answer to Peter's, uh, my partner Peter's uh, request that I bless his wedding with a song. And as I've said in concert, you know, I felt like the guy in the Woody Allen film and the hand the bank teller and I don't have a gun, but I know where I can get one. Yeah. I, I knew I wasn't authorized to dispense blessings, but I nonetheless prayed, uh, and said, how would you capital Y manifest yourself at Peter's wedding? So when it came time to assign a writer or a publisher, there was no way I was going to put my name on it. And so I made it, uh, I made all the monies go to public domain foundation. And as you said, yeah, they they supported a lot of other charities. And it was, and you know, it's a little like love. You know, once you start giving it away, you start getting it back, and you realize that you're part of a bigger chain than you had originally conceived. So, well, that song know. is absolutely a, a standard and one of the most beautiful songs. And I guess we would all lose count if we counted the number of weddings where that song was part mm. of the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, well, it, was, it has. Yeah, and it even got some television. You know, I think it was on a couple of sitcoms as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's one thing I I remember uh, reading, or maybe it was somewhere I saw you mentioned uh, a while quite a while back, and it was it stuck with me, and it was because uh, you know, as a songwriter or as a as an artist, lots of artists aren't they're great at putting their message out in a song, but when they as far as trying to get it, just, you know, get on stage and as a speaker, they're not really great speakers often. So uh, mm. I, can't, I can't remember. I think you were the one that uh, you had mentioned that some somewhere along the way about even how Dylan was not a good speaker. And, and, but, and you know, the folk music of the day would be, you could put out a message in a song that was very effective. Where mm. artists, you know, couldn't, couldn't get up there and just, you know, just, just maybe be mumble that. mouth like me. Or like, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, honestly, don't you don't you agree that people don't like to be lectured to? No, you know? they don't. Yeah. And it's a fine line. There are some artists, and we don't have to name names, but there are some artists that get up on stage and pontificate one way or the other all over the <laughs> spectrum. Yeah. Um, and, you well, know, I'm... after a while, people will say, well, that's great, I agree. Or they might say, I didn't come here to be lectured to. <laughs> so it's a fine line. Uh-huh. Yeah. I also, I also agree, and I don't know if you've noticed from the songs that are on the Just Causes album, but I noticed that what I have a tendency to do is to write a um, two-and-a-half to four-and-a-half-minute uh, story song that invites the listener to draw their own conclusions. And I think when we own something that we figured out, you know, uh, when we figure out the moral or the the trajectory of a song because of its emotional content, I really think when we own it, then it's it's ours, you know, and it becomes part of our life. And that's the way we live our life from there on out. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And, And of course, Peter, Paul and Mary 
were one of the uh, seminal forces in the whole folk music, if you want to call it a revolution or a transition yeah. into a powerful uh, social voice. Um, you, you all, you just played such an important role. And even as I'm speaking with you, Noel, um, I got to admit, I'm a little awestruck because of the iconic stature that you have and yet you're still a, a very down to earth guy. It's uh it's pretty well, remarkable, think of, you know? Think of think of the times that that folk music came to pop radio. I mean it wasn't single handed or tri handed uh, that this music arrived. We just happened to be at the right place at the right time and uh, the fact that the music lent itself so well to the to the life that was going on around us. I mean, 60s were in turmoil, the civil rights, you know, 60s were turmoil in terms of the war in Vietnam. And then along comes 70s, you know, awareness of environmental rights, the 80s, 90s, we're talking about the, you know, the cons- and silk, you know, racism continues and the misogyny and the disrespect for one another. So the fact that folk music opens the door to be able to talk about these things or to share views or concerns in such an emotional way, you know, really renders the person who does it kind of just a vehicle. You know, you can't really... You can't really take credit for it so much as just be thankful for being able to move the world along a little closer to where where goodness lies. Well, uh, I think you can take credit for some very significant uh, things that you did with your music. For example, you gave voice to the young Bob Dylan, to John Denver. You exposed these wonderful songwriters mm-hmm before much of the world had heard them. And um, that in itself is a remarkable achievement, I think. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to get your opinion, as a matter of fact, now that I look at that fact, which demonstrably really is because radio was what it was in the 60s, 70s, and even part of the 80s. But where do you think, how do you think those voices now, those new voices are going to get heard in this age that we live in where Everything is streaming or it's videoed or... Well, you know, you're asking a guy here who is not a big fan of streaming, who is not a big fan of the so-called new commercial sound and uh, the dancers and the gimmicks and all of that (laughs) stuff. And I really lament the fact that the music that was once so meaningful and insightful and so Mm. indelible is is Mm. sort of tossed to the side. I mean, that's my opinion, you know, streaming, the lack of physicality with records. I don't know. I think it'll come back. Uh, You know, uh, furniture does it. So why not music? (laughs) (laughs) Furniture does. Well, in my case, fashion, I still have clothes in my closet from 40 years ago. I don't throw them out. You know, <laughs> but, well, it, then you're going to come back into fashion pretty soon. I yeah, think. exactly. And, and you know, my own personal history, uh, I think Peter, Paul and Mary was the very first concert that I ever saw. It was either Peter, oh, Paul wow. and Mary 
or Julius LaRosa in Miami Beach? I don't know. <laughs> A big divide there. Uh, but, I remember Julius LaRosa. My father, sure, because my father's secretary, <laughs> he worked for <laughs> the Gaines Rubber Company, and Joyce D. Young, who went on to be a singer uh, on the Fred Waring show, uh-huh. uh, fell in love with Julius LaRosa. I think they had a date or two. And so it's a small world. I know Julius LaRosa. Didn't we all sort of... Uh... Didn't we all sort of fall in love with Julius LaRosa? <laughs> well, I, had, I don't want to be gender specific here, but no, I, I don't well, think in I a, a, in a musical sense, of course, no, right. in a, well, whatever, that's. <laughs> hey, what do you suppose your, the, uh, what do you suppose the average age of your listener is? Because are they going to know Arthur God? Are they going to know? No, Julius probably Lerner? not. We're going to have to uh, put a little postscript on this, I think. Uh, yeah, Julius LaRosa, definitely a little bit of an obscurity here. But, but it, you know, but to, to make it serious for a moment here, the fact is if some people are not aware of the history, particularly as it applies to Peter, Paul, and Mary and some of the other great artists that were around in the 60s, then they ought to go and do their research and they ought to find the foundation because it, it's so important. Music does not exist in a void. There's a history to it. There are roots and traditions. And, and I think that's something that Peter, Paul, and Mary were very much a part of. And, and that legacy continues today, not only as far as the trio is concerned, but with your music, because you're carrying on the tradition. So Yeah, and also people like Tom Chapin, yeah. who carries Pete Seeger's uh, tradition, keeping the Hudson River clean, you know, doing the, the sloop revival. And, you know, you, you guys got to admit, this pandemic has made it really difficult for any kind of live music. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So we're we're resorted to little Zoom windows, you know, where we we, we kind of have an intimate moment. I mean, there's there's some advantage to it. But, yeah, we, we all miss the tactile breathing, you know, the in and out of uh, of an actual performance and. And I'm on your I'm on your side. I mean, I really enjoy small venues, you know, anywhere from maybe maybe maximum, you know, 120, 200 people, because uh, there's a kind of a rapport and an instant understanding of, you know, a raised eyebrow, you know, much less a mistake on right. the guitar. Right, and, right. Uh, you know, and you don't dodge the issue. You say, "Well, that was a beauty, wasn't it?" You know, we should we should play a song from from the new album. Uh, is, oh. Would you like to tell us a, a good track here that we should sample, so to speak? Um, I think that there was a certain wisdom in leading off. I mean, there's two two or three tracks that are pretty important. All uh, right. That, uh, the um, Revolution, of course, uh, but I think the first track probably, you know, in these times, which is just me on an acoustic guitar, right. but I think it tells the story of the album pretty much. All right, let's, cool. let's play a little yeah, bit of that. Check it Here out. we go. The 
There's a warning in the wind that comes wailing through the trees. A depression in the shoreline left by the pounding seas. There is a lesson in the drought that brings a country to its knees in these times. We are dancing with disaster. When we live beyond our needs And pretend our hungry souls Are not related to our greed Life's a journey But it's not about the speed in these times In these times We must be mindful of the gift In these times our hands and hearts to lift the fallen spirit in this land, planting flowers in the sand, reaching out a helping hand in these times. What a beautiful song. And you're right, it really does encapsulate the uh, feeling of the album and the songs that follow and just uh, a voice and a guitar. That's that's really all you need. Right? Sounds, yeah, that sounds great there. They're fancy headphones here too, man. <laughs> and our fancy headphones, yeah. yeah. I think the biggest question facing us as citizens of this, uh, of this world is what can I do about it? You know, what, what as a single person where, I mean, I, you know, I can send some money in to support this cause or that cause or, but, what can I do individually? And that's why I was bookending the album with a song called Revolution. Now, before you play Revolution, uh-huh. right. I want you to know, and I want your constituents to know, that if they log on to www.revolution1x1, that's a, the number one, and then an X, and then a one. So revolution1x1.org, O-R-G, they can join in a video. A video? <laughs> a, of, a video that uh, of a bunch of smiling people who are trying to make the world just a little happier. And that's what the lyric of revolution is all about. Because if we're going to win this revolution, we're going to have to do it one by one. Insofar as the way we treat each other with respect and kindness is the answer. And... It's not going to be organized from up top, you know. It's going to be, uh, we all got to be in on the action. Now, now, how do you get on the video by going to that website? Well, it says, I, this is the coolest thing. I got a friend here in Blue Hill, Maine. I live on the coast of Maine, kind of in a mm. rural community. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with computers, it doesn't really matter so much where you live. And I got a friend who worked out this photo booth with a selfie so you log on you log on you hear the song and underneath it says get a button and you go what get a free button so you scoop on down to the bottom of the of the page and it says go to the photo booth uh turn on and then says may we use your camera you say yes you know it's usually connected to to your computer and uh, and it says okay now grab the button with the mouse and slide it over and put it on your chest someplace and then click the take a picture 
and then that picture automatically goes into a file of pictures that joins the other pictures that are on a video that you just watched. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? No, we got to, uh, we got to give you some applause for that because it's very <laughs> unique. Yeah. Yeah. It's way beyond my technical prowess, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Wow. All you got to do is follow the, follow the steps, you know, easier cool. said than done in my case. Do we have but, to take a picture of our face? I mean, Lena, you know, we may not. Do we, and yeah, yeah, no, we'll send them our cartoon characters. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's we a, have a character we'll faces that well, we'll use. I'm making a note. He's making, all right, Billy knows how to do all of that. <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I have to ask, you know, are you a nostalgic kind of guy? When I interviewed you for uh, whatever publication it was recently, I asked you the same question. But with your history and the events that you've been a part of and the people that mm. you've met, do you mm. sometimes just look at it and go, wow, um." In the history absolutely. books, is that me? Wow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I come across pictures of myself with presidents, and I go, you got to be kidding. Wow. Really? Yeah. And the, the, the nicest story I remember, though, was the one with Jack Kennedy. We, we uh, sang to celebrate his second year of inauguration, and the vice president, uh, Lyndon Johnson, uh, invited everybody for a post-concert party. So Peter and Mary and I are thrown around in the back of this 60-mile-an-hour limousine speeding through the <laughs> streets of Washington, D.C. with a police escort. And we get to the party, and Gene Kelly is there, you know? Remember Gene, Gene Kelly? Kelly? Yes, you younger folks, great dancer. <laughs> we know Gene Kelly, sure. So he gets, he gets Jack up to tap dance with him, right? For uh, my Irish eyes are smiling. Um, and, and Kennedy as personal as personable as he was came around to each of the performers because we all did what we had done before at the armory. Now we were doing it in Lyndon's living room and he comes over and he says to Peter and me, he says, I noticed that people were uh, applauding and singing along with a, uh, the song how did how did they know that song <laughs> <laughs> and so peter peter is kind of overwhelmed you know a little tongue-tied but nonetheless he tries to explain the concept of a seven inch 45 rpm record oh <laughs> and he's saying well it, it came out as a single sir uh and uh and he shakes his hand like uh, like the outs on the perimeter the and President Kennedy reaches over and touches his arm. He says, okay, okay. He says, I know that. He says, I just don't get the chance to listen to the radio driving to work anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, it that's was, funny. That's, it that's is funny. those kind of moments, those kind of moments that really stay in my mind and, you know, convince me of how fortunate I was to have grown up in that era. That was a very hopeful era. That's it seems to be a common denominator of people that guess we have, you know, that, yeah, that is just, you know, you just be in the right place at the right time. Yet, yeah. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Of course you got to mm -hmm. have this, the talent and the goods to, to carry on. But, uh, that's always fascinating. Just where you, of all the places yeah. in the world you could be born or you could end up at, you know, yeah. 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 <laughs> you were also there at a milestone in musical history at the Newport folk festival. Mm. When Bob Dylan went electric, and mm, yeah. from what I understand, you had sort of a forewarning 
that that might mm-hmm. have? And didn't you have some sort of discussion with uh, Mr. Dillon about, you know, whether or not that was prudent or something? No, no, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have done that anyway, even if I had uh, uh, such but, a long opinion. He, he came out, you know, one thing that most people don't know is, I mean, of course, the evening show was the great unveiling, but there was also an afternoon songwriter show that not too many people talk about. Mm. First of all, let's set the stage. I mean, okay. we're talking Newport, 19, 1965, and there are a lot of blues singers. I mean, there's folks from, you know, Nashville, there's folks from uh, New Orleans, there's folks from Memphis. And they're bringing electric guitars, you know, they, they're playing the blues. So the sound of an electric guitar was not that unusual. And on, on the afternoon performance, Dylan surprised everybody by showing up at the songwriters thing. We know he's going to be on in the evening. He's kind of a headliner in the evening, but he comes on with a Paul Butterfield band. Mm. Well, Paul Butterfield is a blues band out of Chicago. Right, right. So he does Maggie's Farm. And at the end of Maggie's Farm, he gets applause. I mean, because it's a perfect kind of song for it anyway. And and then he th- then I think he did a short piece of one other tune, and then he left the stage <laughs> because that was all he had worked out with the Butterfield Band. <laughs> so there was so there was some booze. There was some that was booze. the booze. All right, there was, the booze was for that. <laughs> the, that the electricity. Yeah, okay. So Peter put an acoustic guitar in his hands. You get back out there, Bobby. They, you know, they want more music than that. Now, that was a different kind of, you know, a different framework entirely from the evening. In the evening, I think maybe the, the word had gotten out that he was playing with the Butterfield Blues Band and that he had gone electric. And that, so by the time he hit the stage in the evening, the purists were up in arms and uh, they just wanted to hear the acoustic. And I think that they felt that the impact of the lyric would become subservient to the music. Certainly, uh, I think yeah, that yeah. that's how Seeger felt. And um, he kept, because his major concern was, geez, turn it down, turn it, turn the music down. Let's hear the lyric. Oh, man. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny, funny you should mention that because one of the tracks on the Just Causes album is not that kind of music. And it says, you know, it's more about the message and less about the style. And it's kind of an homage to Pete. If you get a chance to play that, you'll see. Yeah, well, let's play some of that right now. Let's do that. Here we go. Here we go. It's not that kind of music sit with a smile It's more about the message Less about the style Then he played a chord And each of us would try To learn apart He brought us all together Singing Music from the Reaching for that higher ground 
songs from other lands Sometimes it was a twelve string Or just the sound of clapping hands But there always was this moment kind of hard It's hard to quit playing that okay. Yeah, but that seems like the uh, ideal ode <laughs> To the singer, songwriter, musician The traveling troubadour, so to speak Which, mm. you know, right? I mean, it's the versatility mm-hmm. and making the music count and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I do think we'll, we're up for another round of that. I mean, I think that uh, people after the pandemic are not going to want the big crowd somewhere. They're going to want the, they're going to want to go to the station and hear some quiet. You, uh, that, Billy? Yeah. Really? Yeah. you better start booking more uh, shows there, buddy. Yeah. Billy shows sell out as soon as they usually go. sell out in a few hours because we, that's what we try to, to get, you know, just even the acoustics in there. If you just do an acoustic guitars and the 120 year old raw wood building is just uh, incredible. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, again, as you were saying earlier, you, you live part of the time in Nashville and then part of the time in Maine. Um, I'm curious, in Nashville in particular, have you been drawn into that Nashville musical scene? Do you hang out with other musicians? Are you really immersed in in that Nashville setup there? No, 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 man. I haven't been... No, and I haven't been to Nashville for oh, at least over 10 years. Oh, I I thought you went back and forth. Maybe I'm confused. Well, you know, uh, Peter and Mary and I had a few uh, a few concerts there, and I enjoyed it. I I went in. Uh, oh, you live part of the time in California, don't you? That's what I'm. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm. Uh, sorry, it's at my own expense. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you you live part of the time on the East Coast and part of the time on the West Coast. That's right. Yeah, about seven and five, actually. Oh, okay. Seven, seven, because I'm right on the coast here in Maine. It's beautiful. Oh, and, I uh, bet. I, I in bet. California, it's a little hot to handle right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good to be in Maine at this point in time. Um, it really is. I do have to ask one thing before I forget. Is I okay? When I was a kid. I think I was probably at the age that I first heard I'm in love with a big blue frog. I was probably 12 <laughs> or so. And you know uh, what? I can I can write my own songs, and I can't remember my own lyrics, but I can still remember the lyrics to that that song. <laughs> so, uh, and I was trying to remember the way he spelled. Uh, actually, I was going to ask you if you had frog tattooed on your chest. P-H-R-O-T. Yeah, what, yeah. Does that mean anything particularly? <laughs> or is that just... No, just that P-H is sometimes pronounced F. Oh, okay. So, I thought it was some, you know, some, something. Uh, I've had this theory my whole life. Okay, you just blew it. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> that that's the thing about Peter, Paul, and Mary, because you had songs that were socially conscious, that spoke to a generation, that spoke to the world. But you also had wonderful, beautiful songs like... Puff the Magic Dragon, which yeah. I gotta admit, I find that's a very <laughs> emotional yeah, song. That's is. just not a kid's song. No, that's a lovely song. song, and it gets me every time. It really mm. gets me every time, mm. you know. Or Leaving on a Jet Plane by the late great John Denver. Um, Quite a legacy. I think yeah. the thing, I think the curious thing about folk music, at least the way we uh, were taught. 
uh, or mentored is that the whole family is represented. You know, it's not it's not just the adolescent uh, kids with the pimples that are making out in the back seat of the doing. It's you know, it's the six year old who still thinks that there might be such a thing as fairy godmothers who fly through the clouds. Yeah, it's the it's the thirty five year old you know who's been disillusioned by. Uh, his experience is love. He's looking for the reality of life. It's the 60, 70 year old grandparents, you know, who are still amused by the, the playing of their grandchildren. Folk music is so broad in its appeal. And we always, I, I say, I mean, I can't, I can't remember an album we recorded that didn't have a children's song on it. Uh, you know, if it was raining, it's pouring or, you know, uh, like like you said, blue, big blue frog. Oh, yeah. Because we just, and then we even put out an album uh, towards the end of our '60s career called Peter Paul and Mommy. Yeah, I uh, remember that. Yeah, yeah. And someone wrote a book. Did someone write something? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They turned it into a, a book, and I think it's a PBS special too. Oh wow! 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 You know, no. Again, I, I keep saying this over and over, but. You've been a part of so many seminal and significant events, not only in musical history, just in history. And I'm wondering if there's one event that you were a part of, one thing that stands out above all that still resonates with you over everything else. Uh, you, know, you have to look through the lens of, I have to look through the lens of the impact that it had on the world around me as well as on myself. And if I do that, you know, then the circumstances point pretty naturally to the March on Washington in 1963. Hmm. The, uh, you know, but if, <laughs> because that's where Dr. King spoke, that's right. where thousand people realize that they were a family but you know for personal impact you know i can go to el salvador in the 80s and remember being in the congregation of a church when a priest held up a, a white rose and uh, said i'm going to give this to uh paul of peter paul and mary to take back to america and ask him not to spill the blood of el salvadorans on it wow. you know Wow, it's kind of so, heavy duty. Kind of heavy duty. Yeah. Well, I, can, I can remember tumbling into the back seat of a Rolls Royce uh, coming out of a club celebrating Peter, Paul, and Mary's performance at the Olympia Theater in Paris to find uh, Peter O'Toole uh, <laughs> sitting in the front seat to go, go, off, go off to a party somewhere. And he said, uh, in his usual cavalier fashion, kiss me. And I looked what? at him, I said, I said, what? I said, I don't, uh, you know, not until I, oh, that's right. I wanted to be hip. So I said, well, not until I know you better. They're right? perfect. And he, perfect. And he said, and he said in the deadest monotone, know me better. Wow. <laughs> so wow. I kissed him. <laughs> you know, again, how many people can say they kissed Peter O'Toole in a, in a limousine? I mean, it's just, uh, 
Well, there are probably a few women that we could see. Well, <laughs> yeah, but we'll uh, bend the rules here because, again, this was a moment in time. Um, well, how, old, how old are you guys? You're in your uh, 60s? Yeah, yes. The right. 60s well, from I'm, the 60s. 60s from the 60s. I'm, I'm 83. Uh, so no, you're, you're like, not. No, you're yeah, not, yeah. no, Paul. Speaking, you are 20, not got, 83. I'm looking at you I on the album. Years. I got 23 years of experience over you guys. I can't um, believe you. Well, you know, look, 80s, the 80s are the new 50s, maybe? <laughs> yeah, that's I think. true. I got the new 60s, that's for sure. And the yeah. 60s are the new, I'm going to do a stretch, the new 20s. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um but re- regardless i think that's just wishful thinking man. maybe it might be and you have a new right. album coming out so tell us about that what's it called it's gonna uh it won't be out until november but it's okay. called faz called faz f-a-z-z kind of a combination of folk and jazz ah okay i get it all right yeah my my chords have always been kind of i guess you call them color chords um and uh yeah i'm i've got three or four tunes well enough actually 12 tunes i'm thinking of looking at some of the older tunes that i've done like what's her name and uh um the jazz the lady says she don't like jazz i I, i'll tell you it's a gas to, to be, to be jazz. All right. To be fast. Okay. <laughs> and to still have both of my, what was it? Uh, Paul Simon saying, you know, he's thanking God that he's got his fingers, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, remember yeah. that line from yeah, that I song? Do. Yeah, I do. So, so you were saying this had something to do with Brubeck, uh, some influence of. Yeah, we were, on, we were on tour. The trio was on tour with Brubeck doing college concerts. Okay. We were both pretty, uh, we had a large following in uh, in colleges, both the Brubeck Quartet and ourselves. And Paul Desmond was stuck with having to introduce us uh, on stage <laughs> for the one thing we were going to do together. And I don't know if it's a constant, but I think jazz musicians in general tend to hold folk music and its four or five chords barely above contempt because. Uh, <laughs> So when it came time to introduce us to the audience to bring us up on stage, he said, uh, "We're going to bring somebody up on stage now. Um, you know, they're they're folk musicians, and, uh, and I don't know the combination of these two styles. I don't know whether to call it faz or joke, but we all kind of <laughs> we great. all kind of knew what he would want to call it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, it's fusion and fusion." It's a great yeah. thing when people confuse different sounds and not be held to certain parameters or boundaries. Oh, oh, oh how enlightened of you. Well, <laughs> you know. And and listen, I, I have to throw this on you too. I uh, had an opportunity to see Peter, I think I told you when we were speaking before, at the Mariposa Folk Festival. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't know if this is part of your presentation. But I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna kind of audition here, Noel. Uh, <laughs> you might want to consider, you know, me joining you at some point if you're in the area. <laughs> and it, it would go a little like this. It would go a little like this. Uh, 
Puff the Magic Dragon. Puff the Magic Dragon lives by the sea. Lives by the sea. He was, you know, his call and response. <laughs> oh, Lee. That time I got to use a button. <laughs> yeah, he got to use the button. I, no. I was debating whether or not I would toss that at you because I didn't want to be offensive. But oh. it struck me, this is kind of a folky thing, the call and the response, right? Well, gospel for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was laughing at you, Lee, not the songs. No, I, I, you were laughing at my singing. And I, Sorry. I, I hope, Noel, that <laughs> when you do that song, which I'm sure you do in your repertoire, if you do it as call and response, you won't be daunted by my attempt <laughs> at replicating that. <laughs> uh, you, you over there in the wings with a baritone voice. Could right. you kind of hold it down, please? Yes, please. <laughs> do you and, do you and uh, Peter perform together uh, at, at occasion, on occasion? Yeah, well, you know, we were, we all lament the fact that uh, Mary passed away in 2009. And yeah. it took us, it took Peter and I a couple of years to pull it together. Um, and in the process, recognize that really the audiences that come uh, pretty much knew Mary's part. So they sing Mary's part. Really? On a lot of the, well, like on jet plane for sure. And, Peter and I just sing harmony, play guitars, and hang on for dear life. <laughs> wow. So maybe there cool. is a role for me, singing Mary's part. Maybe. Oh, I'm pushing it there. <laughs> you know, I think we should, at this juncture, I think we should play that uh, final song on the album as a nice bookend to uh, the album and to this conversation, Revolution. Uh, How would that be? be? Okay. okay. That'd be super. And don't forget to log on. Get your selfie into the video. Yes, yes. Definitely. I'm going to smile at every solitary person I'm going to wave a toast, stranger. Don't matter where they're from. I'm going to stop. bookend yeah and really again a song that says so much and if you don't if you don't mind uh, what was that website again yes you? please tell us the website all right that's www.revolution1x1 that's the number one and an x and a one so it's revolution one by one but it's spelled r-e-v-o-l-u-t-i-o-n-1x1.org okay and uh, it, you'll hear the music right away. You'll see the video right away of all of the people who have been on it uh, and have 
uh, uploaded their their photos. And uh, then you just follow the links that yeah. are right there on the, to go to the photo booth and have your picture taken. That's an, I've we'll, never heard of anything. I'll like include that. those links in our description on the podcast too, so oh, folks can just click on that. So that'd be great. Cool. Oh, that would be cool. I mean, and again, never heard of it. You're revolutionary. Again, you're still revolutionary, yeah. you know, Paul Stuke. Well, now, Paul, uh, Paul, I'm calling you the wrong name already. What, what's your, I know how do folks find you there as far as your site? Now, that's a different site, right? Yes. Oh, I'm website. just, yeah, that's just noelpaulstuke.com. I think Paul even uh, the, the whole album is sort of laid out on that revolution uh, thing. You know, you yeah. can hear pieces and uh, i think even my my website is listed there as well it's it's such a wonderful thing to be singing about caring uh, and being respectful and bringing us all together because lord knows we need that more than ever you know we need it more than ever it's yeah, a cliche amen. but we're all in this together we are you got that right bro you know you know well it it's i can't tell you what a pleasure it is to have you on our podcast, yes, thank you. Mr. Stuckey. Uh, uh, I mean, Lee, thank you. not every day you get to talk to a legend, and, and you are a legend, okay? You're just going to have to accept that yeah, we think yeah. you're a viewer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I promise to go on creaking for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to you. Listen to you. So, Billy, why don't you yeah, take us out of here? Yeah, big thanks to Noel Paul Stuckey for being our guest today. Be sure and check out the link to his site in the description of our podcast. And while you're there, also check out Lee Zerman's uh, link. He's a great author. He's got a book on Amazon now available called Americana Music, Voices of Visionaries, Pioneers of an Honest Sound. Of course, please like, share, and subscribe to my Backstage Pass on your favorite platform. And we'll see you next time. Happy trails. Happy trails to you.